0: Anyway, we can we can get started. I shouldn't dilly dally because I know you got a lot of stuff to do today. Uh, do we do a cold open? We do a cold open. Uh, we can do a cold open. Okay. So we are here today. It is the sixteenth of July. My body clock is either on the very edge of the Eastern Seaboard or just barely into the Atlantic. However, my partner in crime, Mike, is not here with me today. He is somewhere on the western edge of the United States honeymooning, because I guess that's a thing you do have to get married. It's been so long, neither of us remember. However, I have the best of all possible people to fill in. With me today is Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, Casey. I have a good honeymoon story to open the show with.
0: I would love a good honeymoon story.
1: We got married, not you and I, my wife and I, we got married. <laughs> it could happen. In... College, and we basically had no money. We got married like at a friend's house. Our we could only afford like four or five days off work. So I had to go back and uh, you know fix people's laptops for a living. And so we went to St. Louis for honeymoon, which is like a five hour drive. St. Louis is a great city. This this story is not about how bad St. Louis is. I actually <laughs> really like St. Louis, but we had no money. We couldn't eat out anywhere. the The only hotel room we could really afford for that long was like two double beds, <laughs> like not oh, even a no. suite with a nice bed. It was a real scene, but you know, we made it through and our recent trip to London, which I think we're talking a little bit about, uh, was, it was going to be our 10th anniversary trip and it being our 11th anniversary trip. Uh, so we kind of got to have a do-over on that and it was great. <laughs> but um, sometimes I think about that and it's a real reminder. Is like, as, as uh, the song says, all you need is love Casey <laughs> love is all you need it's
0: all you need oh that's really funny you know we had a slightly different but but in the in a very weird way somewhat similar honeymoon story so uh you and I got married not to each other uh almost the same day it was within weeks of each other if I'm not mistaken and, and um and so when Aaron and I got married we were a little bit older so we were both uh working professionals and we had a smattering of money although not a particularly large amount of money and we went to Disney World for a week as our honeymoon which was great and we did have a single bed but um how can i put this delicately when you're running around disney world all day non-stop i don't think it would have mattered if we had a single or double bed <laughs> because we were so tired every day oh man it was it was the best worst honeymoon ever it was really the best but um but yeah, we were, we were sleepy. And speaking of sleepy, I don't know where your body clock is, but as, as stated, mine is not quite here because as you said, we were both in London and why were we in London, Stephen? Well, it was because Mike and Adina finally got married, which of all of his shows, I feel a bit of ownership on this one because this was kind of a long arc on analog to talk about the engagement, the, 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 all the proposal, the engagement, the, the wedding planning, and the wedding has happened. So let me just start by saying, um, with with no sarcasm that I I am, and I know I speak for Steven, uh, I am extremely, extremely pleased and proud of both Mike and Adina. Um, it was a tremendous, tremendous day that I love from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to sleep, absolutely exhausted. I don't think it's appropriate for us to disclose too much about the wedding itself. Uh, Mike did a segment, uh, what did they call it, um, on Upgrade? Did you listen to this yet?
1: Um no mike at the, I, I did but i don't remember the segment name uh,
0: mike at the matrimony that's what it yes. was or something that's like that it was, so, it was very very good but anyway it was kind of like a 10 minute abridged analog that he recorded shortly after his wedding so i encourage you to listen to that but but it was a tremendous day i'm sure mike and i will talk about it at least a little bit when he comes back in about 14 years but it was wonderful. Uh, he looked great. Adina looked great. They are both clearly in love with each other. Steven's speech, since he won't want to bring it up, was tremendous. Uh, I think I talked on either ATP or this show about how good you are in front of a crowd and how annoyed I am by it because I don't think I am the way you are and I'm jealous. <laughs> but um, you absolutely rocked the speech. Um, the whole thing was, was great. And, and, I, and I will give you a chance to talk in two seconds, but I just wanted to sum up by saying both Stephen and I, and, and certainly Aaron and I, are extremely extremely lucky to have attended and to have been invited and proud of you guys and excited for you guys and take all the time you need well i will say take all the time you need before you come back steven may may not agree with me there but um mike will be back in a few weeks and and we will get uh we will get a recap from his perspective then but steven I've, I've talked for a while your thoughts sir
1: yeah, no, it was it was great, and I don't want to steal y'all's thunder uh, to talk about that together, but it was, a, it was a very special day, and for me, it was special. He asked me to be his best man, which was incredible. Not that anyone could see it, but when I was handing them their rings, like all of our hands were shaking, <laughs> which I did not anticipate, <laughs> and it wasn't out of nervousness on my part. Uh, maybe it was on theirs, but it was just a very emotional moment. But what really did it for me, beyond the wedding and them being really great together, yeah, is just how many people... Like from Relay, we were there. And I know that many of us are in a position of privilege where we can take a week off and fly a quarter of the way around the world for like a friend's wedding. I understand that. But Relay's sort of internal culture is something that I really take pride in. And it's not something that Mike and I can take a whole lot of credit for. I don't think. I think we've been very lucky with people who get along and who really care about each other. But that was a real like eye opening moment for me, like sort of like at the reception like oh a third of these people we podcast with and <laughs> uh, that really was it really meant a lot to me as you know uh as a close friend to mike but as the other half of the business as well like as co-founder of this thing uh, that's meant a lot and so it, it was great uh likewise we had tons of tweets from listeners and readers and stuff on twitter and a bunch of emails and it, it felt very much like a, a really nice community moment. And uh, that was all, that was all special.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, with one small exception, I take issue with you saying that, that the culture is not your and Mike's fault. I think it absolutely is. And I mean that in the best possible way, because not only are you guys extremely picky in who you bring onto the network, but I think that you do a good job of setting norms and correcting people, which doesn't happen often. Like, But Nevertheless, you you set an example and you you make sure that you enforce the norms that you want in in, in a good and friendly way. And I think that I I think that a lot of the the internal culture to relay. uh, First of all, I think it bleeds through on the shows because we all genuinely do like each other. And and I think you can hear that across all the shows. But I think that that is in no small part because of you and Mike. and, and, uh, And I'm thankful for that as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so no, I know that you enjoy travel. I know that you enjoy comparing cultures. And <laughs> I'm going to put a time limit on this because it's this <laughs> not going to be the whole show. No, that is why. Briefly, I think, I think we should talk about our trips. Cause for me, it was my first time to the United Kingdom. Uh, I've been to other parts of Europe. It's been a long time, but I've been to Central Europe uh, like in college. And there were a few things that really jumped out at me. And I think actually putting this list together with you, like the same things jumped out at both of us. Um <laughs> I've never used Apple Pay more in my life. Like, oh, I know. It's uh, so I know good. Mike talks about this. We in the States are behind on the way our payment systems work. It's insane that you swipe a card and then sign something. Um, but because they already had, like, the tap card infrastructure, Apple Pay, I think I had one place they were like, oh, no, we don't take Apple Pay. Like, everywhere else, like, even, like, we went down uh, to the seaside one day and like this tiny little coffee shop. Like, Oh yeah, here you go. Scan your phone like everywhere. And that was really great. Like, uh, we didn't have any problems with that. Um, you could do it in the tubes. So you don't have to deal with an oyster card, like put your phone down. Uh, I will say that my wife has an iPhone SE. I have an iPhone 10. I just mentioned this in a video I did, but, uh, pay, uh Apple Pay is way faster with Touch ID it feels like cuz just like put your thumb on it while you're moving the phone to the reader and then an iPhone X, you're like you have it up in your face like while you're walking through the tube and then you have to like put it down and it's uh it's all very uh feels very slow compared to Touch ID I hadn't really seen them side by side in a while and i was sort of that sort of surprised me
0: Yeah I I mostly have gotten to using my phone for Apple pay. I did use my watch for a long time and I don't know why, but I just started using the phone, but I do agree with you that it is ever so slightly clunky with face ID, but I cannot echo enough that, that, it was striking to me that in the UK, the default is that Apple pay is accepted and it's an oddity. If it is, if it isn't accepted, whereas here in the States or at least where I live, it is weird if Apple pay is accepted and it is the default that it's not. And also all the other payment stuff is just better. Like they bring a little terminal to your table at a restaurant, which I think is just nicer. Um, Everything about it just seems better. Tipping is better because there's almost no tipping. Oh God, everything about that was so much better. However, there were a little, um, there were a couple little snafus. Uh, First of all, it was a little toasty. I don't know if you were, if you noticed that, Stephen, if you happened to be outside at all over the week that you were there, but a little bit warm.
1: It is. Uh, I, I spoke to several people who live there and and the consensus is, at least among young people, that a lot of people in England will say, oh, we don't need air conditioning. But then like a month out of the year, <laughs> you do. It was actually about as warm in London as, as in Memphis this time yeah, of year. We were yeah. there doing a heat wave. Like we were at the high water mark as far as temperature. But it's it feels like they're in denial a little bit about this. And I don't, want to get off into this conversation but like global temperatures are only doing one thing over time uh yeah, guess what?
0: Price. Yeah, I, I We spoke about this on ATP uh, this week, and I, I won't rehash it now, but suffice it to say, the only time I ever really felt cool from the moment I got on the plane until the moment I got on the plane was in the little capsule at the London Eye, which was tremendous, by the way. I, I was so thankful that we all got to do that. But the capsule at the London Eye, my hotel room, and we briefly went into one waitress's supermarket that happened to have incredibly great AC. But every other moment of that trip, I was I had a light sheen over me of sweat pretty much the whole time. But um, Mm -hmm. I think it's worth noting, especially for you and me, that it was very much a vacation and uh, I'll speak for me and maybe you agree that it was very different than the prior couple of trips that I've been on because you and I've seen each other three times in as many months. We went to Austin together for Mike's stag do slash bachelor party. We saw each other at WWDC and here we saw each other in, in the UK, which was awesome. And I'm really thankful for it. But this one was a little bit different because. You know, Aaron came with me, Mary came with you, and it, it, we had to leave our children at home. And so, for us, with a six month old who is actually much, much, much more agreeable and happy now than she was earlier in her life, but is still a handful, you know, we left on a Wednesday evening and returned on a Monday evening. So, it was a very short trip particularly to have gone what is it like three six thousand miles something like that whatever the number may be it was a long way and many time zones to travel for not a lot of time and you guys had roughly the same travel schedule didn't you i think you got there a day before us or something like that
1: yeah we were tuesday through tuesday
0: okay so basically a week and it was unbelievably great to get away with Aaron and for her, especially. And I, I think this is true with your wife as well. You know, when I went on all these trips, it was Aaron at home with two kids or in your case, you know, Mary at home with three kids and, and not a lot of help for the most part. Like, you know, her mom would come over when possible or her sister would come over from time to time. But mostly it was just me saying, all right, I'm going to go have fun I'll see you in a week. <laughs> and so I, I, kind of wanted and needed this vacation, especially as like a dividing line between having a regular job and not. But let me tell you who really needed this vacation. Erin did. (laughs) (laughs) She, I think she was really, really happy to get away from for a little while. Did you guys feel similarly?
1: Yeah, we did. Uh, And one thing we try to do, our kids are older than yours. So we have a little more flexibility, but we try to give Mary a girl's trip once a year. So she Mm -hmm. had, um, she's done that the last several years, you know, albeit in California for a week. This WBC, I was only there for three days, which was like chaos um, yeah. due to some family stuff. But yeah, it was the first time we've been uh, we've had a trip together more than overnight, probably since our honeymoon, uh, with just the two of us. And so that was really great for me. It was the first trip I've taken in like two and a half years where I did no work at all. Like I did one morning of admin work, but I didn't record anything, including my daily show. I handed that off to Micah Sargent to do for me. Um, I didn't travel with a microphone. Uh, I only really brought my laptop in case something really blew up and I needed it, but didn't need my laptop when I was there. And that was that was really great because I don't I don't particularly like time off. I'm not good at time off. The the previous time we had <laughs> off, all five of us uh, went to Maine, and it was like a, a camp uh, for families with kids with catastrophic diseases, like we do. And so, like that was vacation, but like not really. Like the family was there. We're at this like kind of heavy duty camp. Like the kids are doing fun stuff, and the parents are in like support groups during the day. Like it wasn't like sitting on the beach. Uh, drinking whatever people drink on beaches. So, um, this really was, it was great for both of us. It was great for us together. It was great for us individually on the way back, you know, Mary and I were talking about, you know, maybe it pans out where, uh, you know, next year or the year after, you know, maybe she comes out for a few days to San Jose, you know, maybe she comes out for our live show and a couple days before Mm -hmm. and after, Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like we've now broken the seal a little bit as far as traveling without the kids. And uh, hopefully, we can do more of it in the future.
0: Yeah, I feel kind of similarly. Aaron and I have often talked about, you know, could she come out or would she enjoy coming out for WWDC? And if so, you know, maybe she would come out just like you said for a day or two, you know, enough to see everyone and and just chill um, for a little bit away from the kids and maybe just sleep, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I think for Aaron, it would be a little boring to be there all week long. Um, but I don't know, maybe we could coordinate something not to uh, put anyone in a bad spot, but you know, maybe if, if Mary was there and Aaron were there together, that would be slightly different. Um, but nevertheless, it was it was a really great time. It was way too short. I got to see nowhere near enough of all of the relay people. I got to see uh, a fair bit of you and Mary, which was which was wonderful. But I still didn't get to see you enough. I didn't get to see Mike enough. But obviously, he was a little preoccupied. Um, and basically everyone else. But I mean, I didn't even see John Syracusa until the day mm-hmm. of the wedding. So everyone was very, very busy, which was great. And, and I'm not complaining, but I, I feel like I want there to be another reason for all of us to get together that doesn't involve the hubbub of WWDC. Like, I don't know, I'm ready next month. So uh, Steven, set something up for me, will you?
1: All right. Uh, well, to do that, we need some sponsors to pay for our vacation. <laughs> well done.
0: Well and done. And this
1: episode of Analog is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you want a portfolio to show off your work, or maybe you want to be the next Casey List with a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one <laughs> platform that lets you do just that. And here's, here's the best part. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Since day one, we have used Squarespace at Relay FM for our blog. Anytime we have a new show, or we have tickets to a live event, or we just want to share something, uh, it's easy to do. We can write in Markdown, which is what I prefer. I can drag images in. I can save it as a draft, and Mike can proof it, or vice versa. Honestly, it's mostly vice versa. And it's, uh, it's really great to use, really easy to, to deal with. I don't have to worry about a bunch of tech stuff. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com analog. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code analog to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com analog and the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move make your next website
0: All right. so I had mentioned uh, very briefly earlier that the London trip was kind of the dividing line between being a real working professional and a slacker and so I got back from London a week ago as I record this and I have had basically a week of living the indie life and I thought we could briefly kind of chat about that so I don't I don't know I don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that, like, I, I feel like there's a billion things I want to do, and yeah. I don't know which one to do first, and I don't know how to get anything done. I told myself I would, I would, quote, ease myself back into things after the trip. And so the Tuesday, the you know, the, the day after we got back, I basically didn't do anything Um and then Wednesday and Thursday, I started to do kind of some administrivia stuff. Um, I've started, I, I, and this is something I wanted to ask you, like, do you consider cleaning up your office as work? Hmm. Like, do I get to claim that in my mental bucket of like, I did work today. Just tidying up the office or even tidying up the like the the detritus that has been strewn all over my computer's desktop. Does that count as work?
1: I think it does. So, like, if I'm shoot, like, so last week, last week, last week I shot a YouTube video in my studio, <laughs> and anytime I do that, it's destroyed, right? I have lights, I have extension cords running everywhere, I've got cameras and microphones, let alone whatever I'm actually filming for, like, B-roll. So, as part of, like, I'm going to do a YouTube video today, part of that time is getting all that stuff out and putting all that stuff up. Now, over time, I have, like, physically built things in my studio to make that production easier and to to minimize setup and and cleanup time. But I think absolutely that goes into it because the the truth is when you have a job most of the time someone else is doing that for you, right? Like I'm sure in your office building there was a cleaning staff that came in, you know, at night or on the weekend or something and vacuumed the floor and took out the trash. And uh, we've all been in work environments like that. And we, just, when you have an office job, you don't think about that because most of the time those people are sort of there when you're not there and you, know, you don't see them, you don't interact with them. Things just happen and you may not even think about it. Um, but when you have your own office especially when it's in your home you've got to think about that sort of stuff right because if you just leave it waiting for someone else to do it you're yeah. going to get in trouble for me like my studio is a separate building for my house like it may be weeks be- between times like other anyone else comes out here any family members and so if I don't do it then no one else is going to and so I think that's part of it I think the danger is <laughs> that you just do that sort of stuff right so like for me uh, I do this about every nine months. I like, I'm just going to change my to do system. Right. You know, and then I always come back to to but that's not what I'm talking about. But I, so then it's like, well, if I want to check out OmniFocus three, like, do I have an hour? Like, do I, do I spend an hour like moving some projects in and seeing how it works? Like that's not really work because I'm never going to write about that stuff, but is it work because like, I need that to make my businesses run? Like there's gray area there. I think for me, the question always is, like, am I distracting myself? Like, am I avoiding something by doing this other thing, right? Like, if it's the end of the day and I need to straighten up the office for 20 minutes, that's great. But if I have a deadline for, say, Federico at Mac Stories, like, writing something, uh, and I'm, you know, and instead of writing it, I'm taking out the garbage and, like, vacuuming the floor, like well, am I just like distracting from what I need to do today? Am I stuck and I need something, I need to like put my brain in another mode and maybe writing won't happen after that? Like there's no right or wrong answer to that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and that's what I found is like, you know, easing myself into it was kind of just getting my workspace in order, both my electronic workspace and my physical workspace. And I don't, Think that's wrong. I also, you know, started going down the route of figuring out healthcare, which I need to make calls about that because, as expected, it's not going as quickly and easily as I would have hoped. Go figure. Um, but by and large, uh, I, I was mostly just kind of setting myself up for actually doing work until Friday morning. On Friday morning, I got my next press car delivered, which was phenomenally great timing. And in that, I have now, I now have like this week to. Force myself to do work Things right. you know what I mean so like
1: and, and Now you have a car you can drive that won't explode it,
0: Well hopefully that's correct and so far That has been correct um too Soon but um Sorry. but no 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 it's, it's all good it just makes me sad I just I, I just want my car to work Stephen. um yeah. actually you and I can't Even complain about car issues with you but that's a whole Different story for another time anyway uh, it's been nice to Have this this and at the At the point at which people will hear this episode the, the car will have already gone back but I have Volkswagen Golf R which is super awesome because among other things I'm considering that very car to replace the BMW and so I have been compelled by having this thing and only having it for a week I've been compelled to like really just dive headfirst into doing work and so this morning. I got up, you know, over the weekend, it was the weekend, and we were doing family stuff and whatnot, but this morning, this which was Monday morning, I got up, and I basically got ready with the same urgency and, and speed that I would yeah. have for my office job, because I know I only have but so much time to go, both in terms of time with the car and in terms of time, you know, when the family doesn't need me, to go and film with the car. So I was out the door about the same time I would have left for my jobby job, and I went and filmed for, like, two two and a half hours or something like that and then basically ran right back into the office in order to come here and talk to you and so i'm really thankful that i have this like external compulsion to do something rather than just sit here and like refresh twitter nonstop. which i right. i don't think i will do that but certainly left my own devices it is tempting and and so I'm really thankful to have the car and I hope that I can stick with it. So, you know, presumably this week will be all filming and then next week will be all editing. And then subsequent to that, that's when I think the rubber will really hit the road to really beat the car analogies to death and see, you know, whether or not I actually do properly do work or if I just sit there and, and you know, scratch my butt nonstop. <laughs> but right. we shall see.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. And this is, I, I wish someone had told me this, is that you, you've got to extend some grace to yourself in this period. Uh, because the reality is you're doing something new. You're doing something that even your friends haven't done, right? Like the, the closest thing for me was Mike because we were co-founders. But even then when I went indie three years ago, I was doing a ton of freelance and consulting as well. Right. And that's faded over time. And so even with Mike, you know, I was only doing Relay 25 hours a week or so. And it was even he and I had different takes right I had a family he didn't you know there's a lot of stuff going on and so I, I think for you what I would say is you should pay attention to how you're spending your time you should maybe even schedule things like mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna film every morning this week put it on your calendar like create a separate work calendar yeah. and put yeah. it on your work calendar and it's like I have a work calendar and it's shared with Mary so she knows what I'm doing during the day and it's it's helpful for me not everything goes on there but big chunks of time go in there. So anytime I record, anytime I edit, anytime I'm doing a YouTube video, that all goes there. The reality is, man, like you're just starting out. And so like pay attention to the to the way you spend your time. Document the way you spend your time. I'm not saying time track necessarily, but document it, put it on the calendar or something. So you can make informed decisions. But the truth is you're gonna get it wrong and you're gonna adjust things. You know, I work differently now than I did three years ago. I work differently now than I did a year ago. And it just, uh, it evolves over time. You are going to make mistakes in work-life balance. You're going to make mistakes in, I spent 60 hours on something that made no money, but I, you know, but I wanted to do like all that stuff. The decision-making processes just get better with time. So give yourself some grace, give yourself some forgiveness in these early days because you're still figuring it all out.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really wise. I did start a new Day One journal. Um, if you're not familiar with Day One, it's kind of like a kind of like an electronic diary, although it's so much more than that. And and I love Day One. And and last I heard, you were pretty well in love with it as well, Stephen. But um, but anyway, I made a new journal separate from my kind of like general family goings-on journal that is work stuff, where I plan to chronicle at least for the first couple of months, like what did I do today, and I think. just making sure i write down a list of bullets will help keep me moving forward and not let me just sit there and refresh twitter all the time that being said you know i think building on what you were saying i i have worked as a traditional working stiff for 14 years and so i think it's I, i like to think it's not unreasonable for me to not go you know, head uh, just just right into the deep end and, and to take a little bit of time to, as much as I joke about it, but actually really like ease myself into it a little bit and take a moment to allow myself to breathe and relax. And it's funny because over the weekend, I was starting to do a little bit of prep for filming today. And to me, I was just trying to like get prepared for work and it didn't really feel like it was work because i was figuring out like what's the best place to put the microphone in the car while i'm while i'm driving and you know i need to get all my batteries for all my gopros and things charged and mm-hmm. all that like kind of administrivia and i forget exactly how it was said but um aaron pointed out to me in a very kind and nice way not in, not in an angry way she was like you know you've been working a fair bit over the weekend as well And it was a very striking moment to me because I didn't really think of it as work. The work is the actual filming and the actual recording and driving and so on and so forth. But from her perspective, and I think she's right, this prep work is work too. And it occurred to me, you know, I actually had like a little Stephen head floating, floating in front of mine, you know, and I had you saying to me, see... You thought you wouldn't want to work nonstop, but here you are on Sunday evening spending your time, you know, working and and preparing to do work. And it was it was very it was not bad. It was just very striking that that I had that compulsion to to get everything squared away so I'd be able to use the most of my time today as I could and. And I just never thought of myself as one who like really wants to work twenty four seven. And I still don't think sure. I am that guy. And I think that you are, you have a much better well, I would say you have a much better work work ethic than my than I do. Perhaps you would say that there's there's the, the right balances between us. But be that as it may, um, I, I, I've been I've been surprised by how enthusiastic I've been to do things that may or may not have been. That may, or, that, that may or may not have felt like work. You know, I've I've been enthusiastic right. about getting everything ready so I can do the things I want to do.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to interject myself too much into like that Absolutely. conversation be- between you and Aaron. But one thing I have found helpful is like, the, like, so Sunday afternoons, I usually take a couple hours to work. A, I've got a subnet episode to get out on Sunday nights. But generally, I take a little bit of time on Sundays to prep for the shows I record on Monday. And just to like spend some time and to do it on my calendar and it's like make sure I don't have any surprises this week. I can do that now because I've communicated really clearly that this is something I need to do and why. Mm-hmm. And so maybe like with this car thing, you know, you have this car for a set number of days, I assume. Yep, that's right. Right. And you you gotta give it back. You can't keep it, although you should totally just buy one. Because <laughs> the golf R is the right car for you. But, you know, maybe the right way to approach that would have been, hey, you know, I gotta start filming in the morning, so I need to spend an hour and a half or whatever, whatever it is, kind of getting all my ducks in a row, so I can do that and hit the ground running. And and you know, it does give Aaron the opportunity to say, hey, you know, that'd be great if you could do it after bedtime, or hey, sure. you know, you gotta do it on Monday. But I have found at least like that's a really helpful thing, uh, not only for my spouse but for me too. So like I have like put terms on what I'm doing in my office on Sundays, because otherwise I'd come out here and just work for four hours and like miss half the weekend because (laughs) I really like working. And so it's, it's, it's about for me, at least like when those times that work escapes nine to five or or nine to six normally for me, then I just need to to clarify why that is and just be transparent about the, the reasons behind it that I'm not working to avoid family time or avoid bath time or something like, Hey, I've got this deadline. Hey, I had someone miss a show. I've got to edit for them. Like whatever has come up. And uh, I have found that to be helpful.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, she wasn't particularly perturbed with the fact that I was doing what I called work or what she called work and I called prep, you know, last night. It was just, it was so striking to me that, that it was that, that our perceptions of work are different is I think what I'm driving at. Right. Yes. That to me, I wasn't working because I was sitting there with her and we were kind of watching TV and we, and you know, we were, we were just relaxing. I think this was after the kids were in bed, but to her that is work. And and I'm not saying she's wrong, but for the record, it's just, it was funny to me that the, the Delta between our two perceptions, which is, I think exactly what you were talking about as well. Um, and it's something that I think we'll have to work on and work out, you know, between the two of us. And, and I mean, to be clear, totally. you know, she's 100% on board with with all of the things that are going on in our family, but that doesn't mean that it cannot be tweaked and it doesn't mean that I'm doing everything perfectly. And in fact, uh, maybe you can tell me about something that's awesome. And then after that, uh, I'd like to kind of pick your brain about what your experiences have been over the last four years as you've become sure. more and more independent and less and less dependent on really anyone else. Uh, you know, you made an allusion to uh, your consulting stuff that I, that, uh, that that is largely dried up in the good way, not in the bad way. So yeah. maybe we can talk talk about that after you tell me about something really cool.
1: Yes, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Pingdom. Pingdom is awesome because they help keep the sites that you love online. For instance, relay.fm. Pingdom monitors your site so you don't have to, and they give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. Let's just be honest for a second, stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Each month Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 outages a day. And if you're one of them, you want to know. That's what Pingdom is there for. So regardless of whether you you have a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor the availability and performance of all of those pieces. You don't want your site to be down, and you really don't want to know about it only after someone sends you an email or a tweet. And that's why you need Pingdom. It's easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL you wanted to monitor, and they take care of the rest. So go to Pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial. No credit card is required. And then when you sign up, use the offer code ANALOG at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM.
0: So you said earlier you went independent in 2014, and before that you had a traditional jobby job as well as relay. I mean, relay had already been established. So you basically just uh, never stopped working.: <laughs> but,
1: uh, Yeah, yeah, so we, we started relay in 2014, and I actually went independent a year. I went year independent in 2015. Uh, by mistake. Okay. Uh, and I did not did I did not do what You did. I had a slow fade out of my job, uh, the, where I was in my company. Uh, It was difficult for me just to have a hard, clean break. And so I quit in July, but consulted for my old business for a month uh, on a couple of projects. So really, like July-ish 2015 was my sort of um, time stepping into Relay and then my company full-time. And when I did, Relay wasn't quite big enough for it to be my full-time gig. And so I was still editing for the suite setup uh, – A job I had until only about six months ago, actually. And I had a pretty sizable consulting company uh, just in town with some local clients doing tech and AV stuff. And over time, those things have faded as Relay has gotten bigger and demanded more of my time. And Relay itself as the company and then Relay as in the podcast I do for the network, both of those things have become bigger and more time consuming and thankfully pay more. And so I've been able to <laughs> drop other things over time to the point now where I have one consulting client who I see every six weeks for a couple of hours. It's very minor compared to what I was doing. And I'm not doing anything with a sweet setup anymore. I am, if you're a member of Six Colors or Mac Stories, you'll see my writing in their newsletters and I write for the Mac Stories website a couple of times a month other than that I'm not really doing any freelance at all and it's it's the vast majority of my time and income is relay a little bit of freelance writing and then my 512 pixel stuff which as uh, a hobby more than anything at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. I have largely neglected my blog over the last, I don't know, year or two. And I, I want to bring that back and I want to write more. It's just the matter. The, the question is, as always, is what do I write about? And, you know, hopefully I'll figure that out. But uh, I wanted to kind of ask you just a handful of very quick questions and kind of pick your brain about what, what sure. you think indie life is like. And, you know, you said this earlier. Obviously, everyone's journey and path is a little bit different, but I think for me at this point in my new career any bit of help i can get from anyone is is extremely helpful so um as i as i often do i'd like to start with the less happy question and then i'll follow up with the happier version uh what do you what do you find frustrating about indie life either originally or now or anywhere in between like what what do you still think you have to work on or what still bothers you you know what what is what is not your favorite right now
1: people maybe even specifically a lot of men uh, have A personality flaw in which we deeply self-identify with our work. And Hmm. you see that come out in funny ways. Like people, the first question most people ask is, what do you do for a living? Because that's how we identify and categorize people. Uh, By the way, Casey, you have to come up with a short answer for that. Because if you tell people you have a podcast and a YouTube channel, they're not going (laughs) to understand. Mine is, I'm an audio production. Uh, And I just tell people that. And that's nerdy enough, people are like, oh, okay, and just walk away. <laughs> if they're more interested, then I can dive into it. Audio production is what I tell people in the elevator. Come up with something short, it's great. Saves you a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I think it's probably bad overall that that I do this and that people do this. But the frustration comes in that if I have a bad day at work, so if we have a show that doesn't work out or someone dropped the ball on something, which is like my least favorite thing on the planet and I've got to pick it up or we lose a sponsor, whatever it is. I tend to take that stuff pretty hard, harder than I should. And I've gotten bet much better at this over time. But if someone is unhappy with something we've done, that tends to linger in my mind. And uh, I know I can't make everyone happy all the time, but I like to make people happy. I like to think that our shows make people happy and that they offer entertainment and information and maybe even a little bit of escapism. I think all that's great. Um, but the downside of that is if we make someone angry, that that really hits me hard. And I, I've tried to build walls up. It used to be that I would let that follow me home. And then, you know, whatever interaction happened during my day that put me in a bad mood at work, uh, I'd be in a bad mood when I got to the house and bath time and dinner time. And I really have tried to sort of build those walls up to, to separate those things. And it's really hard for me and I'm always working on it and improving it. I think I am improving it, but that's something that I think about a lot is that how much power do I let my job hold over me? Cause the reality is when you own a company or in my case, you own two companies, like I'm always on call. Right. And, and Mike's the same way. We're like, if something happens within the relay universe It doesn't really matter what time of day it is. One of us has to deal with it. And we've become less alarmist as the company has grown and we've gotten more used to this. But, you know, if the server goes down or we break our CMS or whatever, we have a, you know, a a host needs something, uh, we try to be responsive to those things. And so the reality is Relay is always on the back of my mind, but... That doesn't mean that I, I have to elect to put it in the front of my mind, and I think that's a really important distinction yeah, very much so. And so that that's something I struggle with, I'm always trying to improve on, and you know it, it, I imagine it'll be uh, that's the same for a lot of independent people, right that because you're in the driver's seat and it's hard to you know to let that go for a few hours to go have a picnic with your family.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I totally hear that. And the good news is, is that the business that I'm running is, it it only really impacts me and my family. Whereas I think the, the good and bad of what you and Mike are doing is that relay impacts ever more people with each passing year, which is tremendous and wonderful. But it's also adding some stress, I can imagine that that I at least today don't have to deal with and, and I don't envy you in that regard.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of a weird thing inherent to Relay that it's uh, got so many hosts, so many people depend on it, and the, the audience is very large too, right? It's not just internal people depending on it, but like... Yeah, that's a good point. The other night I got a tweet from a guy in Tokyo who's like, I can't d- download any of your shows. I was like, well, my first thought was, how in the world do I fix that? And then I thought through it, I realized what it probably was, I reached out to a hosting provider... They were having an issue in that region, so I went back to Twitter and told the guy, hey, our our host is aware of the issue. They are fixing it. The host emailed me an hour later, you know, the, the uh, our partner that we use, emailed me an hour later saying, hey, we fixed it. I went back to Twitter, told the guy, hey, I think we fixed it. Please let me know. He said it was fixed. I told the host it was – like a whole chain of events, right, because of one tweet. And we take that stuff seriously because we want people to – like, people care deeply about our shows, and we want to honor that, and respect that. And so, I didn't need to jump on that guy's tweet immediately. The The reality is that our partner probably already knew about that issue and was probably already fixing it. I don't think I brought it to their attention. But, uh, and if he's listening, hopefully this is true. Hopefully, I made that guy's night that I reached, you know, that he just tweeted to the corporate account. Uh, I responded from my personal account saying, Hey, I'm going to look into this for you. I did look into it for him. We got it fixed, and then I told him. Hopefully that made his day um and that sort of stuff I enjoy that sort of surprise and delight to borrow a term from Apple retail but you know relay's big and it touches a lot of people and that means that it's it's sort of always on as 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 worldwide worldwide always on <laughs> uh in terms of me and Mike's responsibility, that's
0: fair. I, I poke fun, but you're you're absolutely right. And and here again, that's not something that I really have to deal with. And that's something that I think you guys ha- have a lot more on your plate than I do. To turn this frown upside down, Stephen, what are you still thankful for today, or what still makes you happy? I mean, you you mentioned just a second ago that that surprise and delight, as as much as it's a pain to get there, you you clearly enjoy providing that yeah. moment. But but what else? What else are you still happy, happy about? Thankful for? You know, take this whichever way you want.
1: So much. No, so much, dude. It's, it really, I mean, I'm addicted to publishing. Like that's the, the part of my brain that blogging and YouTubing and podcasting, like that's the part of my brain that really likes that is the act of publishing. And I get to do that every day. Uh, And that's great. But more importantly, I get to do it with people who I genuinely, genuinely respect and care about and who I think respect and care about me. And that's something that, that is really special I'm so fortunate I get to do what I love and more than pay my bills with it is, you know, it's, um, it, it really is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, I don't know if this will last forever. I hope it does. Uh, I have a very good authority that relay's not going anywhere anytime soon, <laughs> but you know, at some point something could happen. Uh, and so I'm trying to like live in the moment of that and take advantage of the freedom it gives me, uh, to take my wife to london for a week and i need to do more of that sort of thing but it's um the whole thing i mean the whole thing is just so crazy that i get to do this and and it lets me indulge in my weird hobbies of like antique computing and then i turn that into a youtube channel like none of that makes any sense but it's something i can do and uh, i mean the whole thing from top to bottom is something to be thankful for
0: yeah, and that's the uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is just increased flexibility. And it, it, it goes from top to bottom, right? Like, it's as silly as not having to go to Costco on the weekends and as much as, like, being able to drop Declan off at preschool and, and pick him up or something like that, you know what I mean? And and that flexibility I'm so thankful and happy for. And, and also the flexibility in the terms of working on what I want to work on. You know, I... Yeah. I would have to like film all of this golf R stuff either on lunch breaks or like, you know, I would go into work late and then have to work late in order to make time for it and stuff like that. And, and so I'm just really thankful that everything is way more flexible now than it's ever been. And obviously I still have to move forward. I still have, I still have to chase things. I still have to work. It's not that I'm just sitting on a beach drinking whatever people drink when they sit on a beach, but I, I, I still have plenty of responsibility and plenty of things that I need to accomplish, but it's self-motivated now, which I really appreciate rather than being compelled, which is the way it's always been. So, um, my final question for you, and then maybe we can do a few relay your feels. You had made mention of this as well earlier in that, you know, you, you and Mary had to come to some sort of an understanding and appreciation of, of what the other needs. And I have heard, and I always butcher the actual words, but, um, but, uh, you know, friend of the show and Relay co-host, uh, underscore David Smith, he, his physical workspace is in his basement in his house, and, you know, he'll come upstairs from time to time to get a drink of water or something like that. And there's a, there's a phrase that he and his wife use, and I think it's, are you home? Yes. And, and in order to communicate, like, are you here and can I ask you things, or are you just popping upstairs for a moment and trying to go right back downstairs? And Aaron and I haven't exactly worked that out yet, but is there anything along those lines i mean obviously you have your 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 uh shed <laughs> to borrow a, a term from shaheed um but <laughs> but how do you work that out with your family and that's not exclusively mary by the way you know i mean you don't need me to tell you this but obviously the kids are at least somewhat right. aware of what's going on so like do you have any thoughts or tips or anything about how to work that out with both the adults and the children in the home
1: yeah i mean i've i've ripped off underscores language mm-hmm. uh you know I try to come in, like, during the school year, I know what time they get home. Mary picks them up. They usually come straight home. I try to pop in for a little while, see where everyone's day was. uh, But I make it clear, like, hey, I'm just here for a minute, and then I got to go back to work. Like, I use that language of I have to go to work, Mm -hmm. or I'll be home when. And for me, that's just a walk across the backyard, but that's a far enough distance to make that clear. Like, the kids know that if I'm out here... That, um, you know, they can come visit anytime, but uh, it's, it's you know, I'm at work. We do have a thing where if I'm recording that they can't play in the backyard, that's just because uh, they're loud and I'm in a <laughs> room that's not completely sound isolated from the outside. It's pretty good, uh, but not perfect. And uh, so, so there's some of that sort of nuts and bolts, but and the big thing is just communication. And you know, very often I'll tell Mary in the morning what my day looks like. Again, she has access to my calendar, so she knows when I'm recording. Uh, which is really the only thing on my schedule that's fixed. You know, all the rest of it, even the editing, for the most part. You know, like this show is going to come out. You know, several days after we record it, I just got to get it edited this week. Like it's not a fixed deal. So if something comes up on Thursday when I was going to edit the show. I can edit the show Friday morning. Like there, there's flexibility in that. But it's just that that sort of like ongoing communication. And sometimes it feels like all we talk about is work. And so I tried to. <laughs> Uh, balance that. It's like, hey, you know, this is what I got to do tomorrow. Hey, let's talk about how your day was or something else. But um, it's uh, it's just it takes time to sort of work it out. You know, you have the challenge of your offices in the home, and you know, so maybe it's a deal of if you're at work, you know, maybe it's something silly like you shut the door or maybe you have a lamp in the hallway, the lamp's on, you're at work, like some indication, especially mm-hmm. for the kids, that they equate with. Dad's at work. Whatever that may be. Maybe it could be something fun, maybe it could be something silly or maybe this is the door shut or whatever it is. Uh, I think you've got to come up with some sort of system. For me it's built in because my studio was separate. Like when at our old house where my desk was in our bedroom, that was really hard. And I would leave to go record across town in an office I sublet for my brother, but even then like if I'm at home in our bedroom like who knows where the dividing line is. So uh, I think you have to come up with some sort of like physical manifestation of it, come up with some language around it, and sort of build it into your ongoing communication of, hey, I've got this. It's like really locked down from 11 to 2 tomorrow. But if you need something outside of that, let me know. Um, mm-hmm. That can go a long way.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, over time, we, Aaron and I and the kids and I will develop that kind of vocabulary and and whatnot. But it's it's a little bit stressful. And it's been okay so far but of the days that i was working last week most of them declan was at preschool camp so um most of the time that i spent working he wasn't in the house anyway and the good thing about all this is that declan understands the concept of what we call talking work and so he knows that when i'm recording that i'm not to be disturbed um really for any reason. And that has taken a little while, but he has come to understand that. And so um, over time, you know, I think we could just use talking work as just the general description of any kind of work, but, but I prefer to be more explicit about, look, you know, when daddy's door is closed, you better have a darn good reason to interrupt. But if he's not doing talking work, you can interrupt. You know what I mean? And as a three and a half year old, that's, that's a hard It's a very fine line for a 3 kind of work, but over time, I hope to be able to be more explicit with him and more more direct with him about, you know, when can you interrupt me and when can you not, and we'll see how it goes. But just like you had said earlier, I expect all of this to be a learning experience for everyone, very much myself as well. So we'll see how it goes, but I mean, so far a week in, it's been... It's been really good. I'm really, really thankful. I'm really glad I've taken the plunge. And sitting here now, I haven't defaulted on any payments of anything or anything like that. So, so, so far, so good. good. I still haven't quite squared away healthcare, like I said. So that's uh, tomorrow's mission because I was a bit distracted today. But other than that, I, I mean, things are, seem to be going okay.
1: I think a lot of it, is, as silly as it is, is like physical workspace stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, I know you've, you've had your home office for a long time. You've recorded ATP in there for 100 years, but <laughs> uh, even that will change over time as your needs expand um, and as you sort of settle in there and, you know, having, I think, some sort of like, um, you know, sign of like, hey, it's it's cool to come in or hey, it's not, we'll, we'll, especially with the kids, will help them understand it better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What else is awesome these days?
1: All right. Our last sponsor this week is Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. You'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. They offer the fastest hardware and network with fantastic customer support behind it all. And it's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. They guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, quite simply, they keep it that way. And Linode offer additional storage, too. Block storage is now out of beta and is available in Fremont and Newark. And Linode plans to expand their block storage to all data centers soon. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating VPNs, running Docker containers, hosting private Git servers, and much more. Oh, and they're hiring right now. If that interests you, go to linode.com careers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting at 16 gigs of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com analog, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven day money back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com/slash-analog to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that twenty dollar credit. Use the promo code Analog Twenty Eighteen at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM.
0: All right, so let's relay some feels. And um, I don't think any of these were you know specifically intended for me and Mike. So I, I think it's perfectly valid for you to. Uh, to fill in. And this first question, I'm actually very curious to hear your thoughts, because I don't really have an answer to it, but I think you might. And Curtis writes, I refer to myself as a prolific podcast connoisseur, and I almost always have my AirPods in when doing chores around the house. Aside from Serial, to what do you attribute the tremendous growth of podcasts? And... I think some of this was just, you know, the thing, these getting more and more popular over time and the mechanisms for downloading them being much easier once smartphones arrived. But I suspect there's more to it than that. So, Stephen, what's your two cents about what has caused all this growth?
1: Uh, I think the big thing for me is the explosion of podcast tools. It used to be really hard to record and host podcasts. Like, even when Mike and I started eight or nine years ago, it was not great. You had to use, you know subpar tools a lot of the recording stuff wasn't as easy as it is now and that's become a lot easier not just like tools that we use but like web-based tools where you can just like everybody just go to a a link in chrome and the browser records it on their server and then you get a file like all that stuff is much easier and it's not like one click blog installation uh, but it's pretty close and I think that's great I think that a lot of people were put off from podcasting because the technology barrier was too high and that's come down and that's um, I think that's really allowed a lot of things to sort of start bubbling up. Yes, serial was like sort of the halo. It brought a lot of people into podcasting from the listener perspective, but I think a lot of that growth has come from a lot of new types of shows as well. And that's a, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Ollie Kane writes, what's your favorite source of media right now? Be it podcasts, streaming TV, YouTube, etc. For me, for me, my, the thing I listen to the most and is probably my favorite is podcasts because they can squeeze into almost anything I'm doing. You know, obviously if I'm with the family, that's different, but if I'm doing chores, if I'm in a lot of cases, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm working, if I'm driving and I don't have, you know, the family with me, podcasts are so easy to just pick up and put down even while you're doing other things. So the thing I listen to the most or consume the most and probably enjoy the most is probably podcasts, but i over time, I've become more and more enthusiastic about various different things on YouTube. Uh, You know, this started with like car-related things and to some degree, I I can feel it starting to branch out. Like I watch Casey Neistat mostly at um, Mike's recommendation. And I I think that over time, I'm going to find myself watching more and more online video on YouTube and things like that. Um, But the problem with that is you have to sit down and be deliberate about it. Whereas with podcasts, it can kind of meld itself to what you're already doing. And that's why I think I like it so much. How do you feel about this stuff?
1: I feel the same way. I listen to a bunch of podcasts and I listen to them doing yard work or doing the dishes or in the shower. Uh, I don't, I can't listen to podcasts when I work, not for the obvious reason that I record podcasts for a living, but I have trouble listening to spoken word while I while I work. So I listen to a lot of music when I work. Uh, a lot of YouTube, much more than it used to be. Uh we have never had cable. We've never even had like an HD antenna set up, although I think we're getting ready to change uh, that. I, mean, I think I'm gonna put an HD antenna in so we get local stuff. But uh so it's it's all it's always all been streaming for us. But we don't watch a lot of TV really. Uh Mary and I will kind of pick one show to work our way through very slowly. You know, I would say that my like media consumption as far as screen time is way below average. Um, cause we just don't watch a lot of TV or a lot of movies, but podcasts on YouTube definitely take up, you know, what media consumption time I do have that basically fills it.
0: Anders Hoag Nissen writes, what are your favorite places in natural settings, either specific spots or more generally? Why don't you kick this one off?
1: That's a great, that's a great one. Uh, so for me, I really enjoy, uh, bike riding, especially like trail riding through the woods. And so for me, it is definitely like in the woods, like trees, undergrowth, streams, like all that stuff is for me. I don't particularly like the beach really much at all. So I would say like forested areas, um, you know, either walking or riding my bike or fishing, something like that is where I like to be.
0: Yeah. I, um, I was never a beach person growing up and I've talked about this, I think on ATP and maybe even analog that I've become more of a beach person over time. That being said, I, I, I think the thing I miss the most and one of my favorite places to be is when we lived in Charlottesville, which is about an hour West of Richmond. Um, there was an hour west of charlottesville so two hours from richmond there was the the blue ridge mountains and i loved driving through it i loved going on and i'm doing mega air quotes right now hikes uh for a very loose definition of hike it's really just walking on a semi flattened area of the woods if that makes sense you know like walking through trails that many 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 people have gone through before so um so it's a very loose definition of hiking but nevertheless i really enjoyed doing that um, so I really love the mountains, and I miss being able to go to the mountains. And maybe, maybe I would tell you if I still lived in or around the mountains that that the beach is my favorite place in the world. But, but gosh, do I miss the mountains? And I miss even just being able to see them because in Charlottesville you could just look up in in the you know look west and you would see you would see them from just about anywhere. And I
1: miss that a lot. All right, uh, up next is from Andy Bettison. Since having kids, how has Casey's opinion changed on how much and what sort of technology use is healthy? Any difference between the two kids? I just like how much, this is Andy, I just like how much my son who has seven uses screens, but it's less time than I do.
0: <laughs> so I think uh, the first priority, or the first thing that needs fixing with regard to screen time is me. Um, I have just put on the iOS 12 beta uh, when I got home from London. So I have not yet seen a weekly screen time report. I know, I know I can go in and like dig it up, but it hasn't told me a weekly screen time report yet or anything like that. Uh, I am deeply afraid to see it. But to directly answer Andy's question, Um, I never wanted to be the kind of parent that's like, oh, no, you can't have the thing that everyone else has. But we definitely do limit Declan's screen time, I would think, fairly aggressively. Um, we usually allow him to watch up to about uh, half an hour to 45 minutes of certain tv shows on an average day uh we'll let him watch daniel tiger which is basically the spiritual uh, reboot of mr rogers we'll let him watch dinosaur train which is actually fairly science heavy surprisingly despite it being meant for toddlers um he really 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 likes paw patrol which is less intelligent and more just you know saccharine and he's also gotten into bob the builder which i would classify the same as paw patrol just kind of it's just you know fun to watch it doesn't really have any redeeming qualities um but he doesn't really he does have an ipad that's dedicated to him but the only thing that's really on it is tv shows to watch when he's in the car for long stretches of time and he actually hasn't used that ipad in forever um that would be Stephen, a uh, my original retina pad mini by the way hey bye yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but yeah we we don't really have him in front of screens otherwise with one small exception a lot of times i will put on a concert that's like filmed you know so it's video and audio right a lot of times i'll have fish mostly always fish always fish uh, a lot of times i'll have a concert playing and, and oftentimes the video will be on but that feels okay to me because it's not it's not a tv show it's just music within with a video uh like assist if you will and that probably isn't as different as i think it is in my head but i don't know i i I view it as being different but to to kind of summarize, he Declan gets very little screen time. Michaela just doesn't even care at the moment. Uh, and I'm going to try to keep it that way. We are going to try to keep that way as long as we possibly can. But I'm sure that over time, especially once he gets into like grade school, when all of the kids are talking about all the fun things they do on their iPads, I'm sure we will lose this battle sooner rather than later. So as someone with older kids, how does that work for you guys?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, our, our kids don't get much screen time, far less than we do, uh, which is pretty hypocritical. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's similar with y'all. Like, they have access to an iPad. For them, it's mostly educational stuff for school. Um, they can use Mary's MacBook for school stuff because they're, they're, the older two are at the age where they have, like, homework online and stuff. But, yeah, they don't have free reign. You know, they don't have iPod Touches. The iPad is uh, limited use. We control when they use it. I think that'll continue for a while. You know, they're still just in elementary school. But I think it'll get harder as they get older. They, they want more independence and then it's sure. like well you know how tightly do i rein them in and that's all really complicated i feel like i got a couple more years of kind of easy going with this stuff but it's around the corner for me and uh i don't really know how to handle it yet yeah
0: I, i'm also scared um i'm scared of when declan decides he needs a, a telephone like a, a iphone or whatever the case may be because yeah i mean are it is that happening for, for you guys? Like, is that, are we at the time in which it's normal for your kids to have cell
1: phones? I don't know if any of my kids' friends have them. I, I have a guess that out of their peer group, my kids probably have, they're on the lower end of the amount of screen time they get. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of kids, you know, my, my older two are going into third grade. A lot of them, those kids have iPads or iPod okay. touches, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of like are theirs, but um, where my kids don't. Uh see so, yeah, I don't know. We I haven't had the serious conversation about it, so hopefully it's still a ways off.
0: I just remember when I was growing up, I didn't have a cell phone until I got to college. And I remember we had like a family cell phone that I would borrow when I went driving in high school, you know, so if something happened I could call home, but like it was not an individual cell phone for mom or dad or anything like that. Um it was it was the family cell phone and whoever was going yeah. out would take the cell phone and then in college I got my own cell phone. Meanwhile, I know there. are People that have like middle schoolers with phones and that's not I don't think terribly unusual these days it's just bananas As final yeah. note uh JT writes of all the topics you've spoken or written about what has been your favorite the most impactful or most memorable uh I think this is going to be a pretty obvious answer for both of us but why don't you kick us off Stephen
1: I mean I think when um you know I broke some news that Apple was using their own map tiles and iPhoto that really
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be the hissing iPhone no
1: Oh, God. Uh, That was the most viewed of anything. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my word. I mean, I think clearly for me, it's stuff with our son, with his cancer diagnosis, and I write less about that now than I used to. Part of it is that we get further and further into it, and he's doing well. Part of it is that as he's gotten older, I'm less prone to share specifics. Mm -hmm. But... I think that's that's clearly, for me, been the biggest thing. We talked about it on an early episode of this show, which we reference every time I'm on this show. <laughs> and every September, you know, I raise money for St. Jude, and I will do that forever, every September. And that, out of everything I've written or talked about, I think is definitely the most... It's not my favorite. Uh, in some ways, it's my least favorite. But it is the most impactful, I think, not only to... um me but to other people you know I get a lot of emails from people who share similar stories and um and that's that's special to me.
0: Yeah, I it's funny because over time not in anywhere near the same way you have but I almost get a little I almost start to look forward to the uh to the Saint Jude stuff in September because uh you know Aaron and I and and most of our peers have contributed at least a little bit each year and i've tried to spread the word about it at least a little bit each year and it's gotten to the point that it's it's not like on the calendar for for the list family or anything like that but i definitely get kind of excited when it happens to see how well you can do and how much you can raise and i feel like even though i don't have any ownership over that i kind of feel a little bit of ownership if that makes any sense um in in that i i really want to see it go well and i really try to promote it you know wherever is reasonable and, and, yeah. and, and it's really, it's kind of fun. But to answer the question, um, I think th- in, in a similar vein to you, th- I don't know if I would call it my favorite, but the thing I think I've gotten the most mileage out of in the good way, or the, the most returned from is a better way of phrasing it is when we wrote about our struggles with infertility, uh, particularly with Declan to a lesser degree with Michaela. Um, but when we wrote about, uh, the problems we had with Declan I didn't know or to the best of my recollection I did not know anyone that at the time was struggling with infertility where since we started since since we started speaking about this and since we wrote about it I have learned about an unbelievable amount of people that have struggled with infertility and it's been sad to hear all of those stories but surprising and in some ways i don't know if validating is the word i'm looking for but kind of nice to know we're not alone but sure i think to some degree in general not because of me you know speaking about infertility has become less taboo over the last few years or maybe i just feel differently about it and so i'm projecting that onto society but when we wrote about that we have and still do occasionally get emails from all across the world saying thank you so much for writing about this i'm glad i'm not the only one and so on and so forth and And I wrote it somewhat selfishly or we wrote it somewhat selfishly because I think both of us, especially me, just wanted this out of me. You know, I needed to get this out. And I think you probably were afflicted with the same kind of uh, problem or maybe it's not a problem, but you know what I mean? Like we just need it to get out. Uh, Part of of my processing is just to get it out. And so to to that end, it was a somewhat selfish thing to do to write about it. But I... I have gotten so much back, so much good energy and good karma back from it that I'm so very, very thankful that, that I did write about it and that we did share it and we did talk about it. And so it's not my favorite, just like you said, but certainly... Uh, it's the thing that I'm most proud of, I think, and as as is as is compulsory in the FM bylaws, um, we need to bring up episode, was it five or eight? I always get it wrong. But one of the early episodes of this very program, which you alluded to, where Stephen and Mike and I talked about things that are not terribly happy. But I think even though that episode was recorded in 2014, and I have recorded some great analogs and some great uh, ATPs since then. I think to this day that episode is the single piece of audio I am most proud of that I have recorded in in my career as a professional podcasters. Um, it was very painful to record. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. If that makes sense, and I don't mean that as a slight to you or Mike, but it was not a fun thing to record. Yeah, but it is the thing that even four years later, I am so very proud of and real-time follow-up Stephen has informed me that it was episode five of this very program. Uh, it is not a happy one, but it is an important one. So if you haven't listened, I do encourage you to check it out. But with that, I think we're good. So, Stephen, thank you so much for filling in for Mike. Uh, I would not have asked for anyone else to do so, and I am glad that you were able to take some time out of your very busy and currently overloaded schedule (laughs) in order to to, uh, fill in. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And I don't even remember when the next time I'm recording this program is, but I believe it is when Mike is around, I think. So uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, we'll tweet about it at some point. But, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it.
1: You bet. Thank you, Casey. Uh, We'll talk to you later. Adios.